This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, welcome back to From the Senate with Mark Wayne Mullen. Now, Mark Wayne, I was going to make fun of you for how you've been threatening me that you've been trying to wear my uniform. You were going to wear my uniform on one of these interviews. I had a... uh, Did you just freeze up? You just froze up. Is that me or is that... I got you. I still got you. Are you in the Senate basement? I know you don't have the best Wi-Fi. No, I got, I actually have full Wi-Fi, but you, you're cutting out. You keep freezing up on me. Well, you were in the middle I, uh, of trying to give me crap, so, I think. Yeah, well, I was. I was giving you crap about your about your uniform. I was going to steal it from you because mm. you stole the beard. Um, but I, I actually have a V-neck black T-shirt that if I wasn't stuck in my office here in, uh, here in D.C., I have it literally laying on my bed at my house about three blocks away, but we're in the middle of a vote series and I couldn't change or otherwise I was going to put that sucker on. You know, that sounds like an excuse. I'm not a big uh, guy for excuses, but you know what? I will forgive it this one time because that, sir, is a fantastic full Windsor knot. Guys, if you're not watching this on YouTube or Rumble, this guy knows how to tie a tie. It's not a clip-on, is it? No, heck no. It's not a clip-on. Come on, man. Very good. Okay. All right. So speaking of dress code, how's that for a uh, segue? So apparently Lurch from the Adams family gets special treatment in the United States fam- yeah. uh, United States Senate. Now this is uh, John Fetterman, Democrat from the state of Pennsylvania. So that's kind of been making the rounds. There's all these problems going on in America right now, but every news story is about the United States Senate changing its dress code because a guy wants to dress like a homeless person. Can you yeah. please tell me what in the world's going on? And that's true. Everything you're saying is accurate. Uh, Fetterman, and listen, first of all, I'm not a big formal person at all. Uh, I didn't even own a tie until I, uh, I knew I was going to win my election uh, for, the, for the House back in 2013. Uh, it just wasn't um, something I did. Uh, I didn't even know how to tie a tie. I had to learn how to tie this tie. So I get not want to wear a suit. I'm the most casual dresser you'll ever find. But you do have to you do have to have respect for the position. And I'll just share this with you. I was complaining one time up here uh, with a group of people. I was their guest speaker. It was early 2013. And I was complaining of the fact that I had to wear a tie. I said, you know, this thing does nothing but uh, but choke the oxygen off the brain. to, And that could yeah. be part of the problem here in D.C. And uh, and he, um, he, he, he let me hear. He let me rant for a little bit. And, he, and the guy stopped me. He was an older guy. And he, he was down there. And he said, sir. Um, and I said, this is Mark Wayne. He says, no, I, I call you sir out of respect for the position and the office you hold. He said, I wore this suit out of respect for you today. Not because I like it, because out of respect hmm. for you. And I sat there and I thought, oh. Yeah, that's right, kicking brother. the pants. And so, I, you, one, you wore it out of respect for the position. Two, no one asked Fetterman uh, or made Fetterman uh, run for this position. He chose to run for this position. If he doesn't want right. it, there's a thing called he can resign because there is a certain amount of respect you should hold. I mean, people respect certain things. You wouldn't want your surgeon to be walking into the to the surgical room um, wearing wearing hoodies, uh, dirty t a dirty a dirty t shirt underneath it, and uh, and and baggy shorts with with running shoes on, saying, "Hey, we're about ready to do." Uh, you know, open heart surgery on you. You don't. You, you, you want them to look professional. You want those that individual to be to, to represent them well because they're about ready to hold their life in your hand. And and uh, and so there is a they're in that saying still. Number three is that saying dress the part. Uh, you yeah. you you need to dress the part. Be if you want to show up for a for a desk job uh, on a high rise building. You probably should dress professional like that. And by the way, if you have tattoos on your neck, you might want to cover those things up. 
Uh, and and not that I'm against tattoos. I'm, I'm not I'm not exactly tattoo free, but I don't go around flaunting them all the time. Um, you know, a guy that tattoos his face and tattoos his head, ah, his career path is probably a little bit more narrow. That's his choice. That's what he chose to do. But Fetterman chose to serve up here and for us to change the policy just because of him, uh, because he doesn't feel comfortable wearing a wearing a hoodie and a uh, and or he doesn't wear comfortable wearing a suit. He wants to wear a hoodie and, and, and gym shorts. Fine. Guess what you don't have to do? You don't have to come to the floor. You, right. you, you can still vote because there's days that I'm flying in. I mean, if you ever catch me flying, I'm not wearing a suit. I usually have a T-shirt on. And during the winter, I have a T-shirt with a jacket on. Um, sometimes I have a ball cap on. And sometimes your flights get delayed. Any of us has flown lately, we understand flights are getting delayed all the time now. And so um, I may have to come straight from the airport straight to the, to, the, to the chamber to vote. And when I do that, I just simply stand at the door. I never walk onto the floor. I just stand at the door and I'll do a thumbs up or a thumbs down on my vote. And so nothing prevents him from from voting it just prevents him from coming to the house floor and and for schumer to do this i can tell you that even democrats uh are up in arms by it i mean absolutely up in arms by it well i mean it's a it's kind of an eye roll moment but you did give me an idea for a tattoo for you what about like a bald eagle right on your throat like can you imagine like going into a debate or something like that or like a senate hearing yes and then when I when I get like when I get mad and I'll do it like this, yeah. like, you know, the wings spread or maybe the talons go out like they can pop out like this. That'd be That's right. Cool. Yeah, because yeah. like if people don't if people in public don't see your ears, they're going to think maybe I can get over one on this guy. But nobody <laughs> fights. Nobody fights somebody with a throat tattoo. That's just somebody that you don't mess with. But let's uh, let's get into something will, a little bit. I'll probably agree with you because, man, that's tender when I shave down there, much less getting, yeah. getting a tattoo. <laughs> Yeah, I've got about 50 hours of tattoo work, but it's not coming anywhere near my throat. I'm with you on that. So um, I want to transition to something that's less fun to talk about, but still at least newsworthy. So House Majority Leader uh, Kevin McCarthy has come out and officially announced an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. You would not think that he would announce this inquiry without knowing, kind of having an idea where the House would vote on such a thing. Obviously, you used to be in that chamber. Now you're in the United States Senate, which will have kind of the final say on this. But just give me your read on the inquiry the evidence that has been seen up to this point again the odds of him being convicted in the senate are essentially zero uh, even regardless of what evidence they find but what's your read on it right now well uh, let's um let me let me give you the read on it and then tell you what led up to it and then tell you the procedures for your listeners what actually yeah. takes place right um and so the, the impeachment inquiry which you're pronouncing it right because most people say impeachment inquiry but uh impeachment inquiry is would never have taken place. It would have never taken place yet if simply the, the, the Biden family and the administration would be transparent with the, uh, um, with the committees that have oversight of this. For instance, Ways and Means, because the IRS whistleblowers just came through that raised serious questions that we need answers to. We have oversight um, a committee that's doing the oversight of it, and we have judiciary, which is looking into why uh, these charges were being held up inside the DOJ. And there's, there's a lot of information that the uh, Biden family, because of personal bank records, so far there's nine, nine different family members that were benefiting from shell companies that were getting money sent to them from foreign companies that a lot of times Biden had just left there when he was vice president. 
Um, right. And so there's a there, there's a lot of questions. What was happening was is that they were coming through redacted, meaning they would sometimes just give a cover sheet and then everything else would be redacted. For instance, financial records, um, or they just pleaded privilege motion where they wouldn't bring it in. What the impeachment inquiry does is it uh, prevents them from able to do it because if they do do that, we'll simply take it to a judge uh, and say, hey, uh, there is an official impeachment inquiry into this individual and we, um, uh, we're doing our constitutional duties, remember, meaning that we're well within our authority, therefore they have to release it. And the judge cannot, even if he was appointed by Biden, cannot uh, 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 obstruct that because we have the right to do it. So it keeps that information flowing. If they can get the information right, then they can move in, then they go from the impeachment inquiry into the impeachment process to which they'll move that direction. The question is, is what he has done, is it impeachable? Remember that threshold is very high. It has to be um, a treason, high crime, misdemeanor, or bribery. Those are the four things that they can be impeached from. The other question that you have to ask yourself, is it impeachable to be impeached from a current position he's holding if the crime or the situation took place while he was in a different position? Hmm. I, I, actually, I actually believe that the, for in order for him to be impeached in the current position that he's in as President of the United States, that the offense has to take place in his current position. Now, the Constitution isn't really sound on that. Um, so we have, we're bringing in counsel to kind of give us a reading. So it's my opinion right now, though, is things that happened while he was vice president, things that happened while he is out of the office, isn't necessarily impeachable. Now, that doesn't mean that what he did as a vice president, as a vice president, and then in the private sector, didn't lead to something that he's done as president. So there could be decision making that he made that led to this, that there's an email that traces all the way through it. Remember, there's 54, 54 different, e- or uh, there's 50, let me see, there's 54, let me get this right. I'm thinking, I may be wrong on this, but I think there is, there's there's a lot of emails, I can't remember the number right off the head, but there was 54 um, uh, different uh, pseudonyms that he used to identify himself in different emails why he was vice president. Uh, that the National Archives have already has already identified out of, I forget how many thousands of emails it was, hmm. which means he obviously was trying to hide something. So so let's just get all get past that high threshold, very high threshold. One thing that I have told my uh, colleagues on the other side of the, or on the other side of the Capitol and the House still, which are good friends of mine, is whatever you do, don't play politics with impeachment. Make sure we follow the Constitution and whatever you send over, then make sure it's impeachable. Make we the Democrats played politics with it, and that's why Trump could never get impeached in the Senate. That's why they actually didn't hardly even send any time. I mean, the the the, the impeachment ended about the same time the trial began. I mean, or the right. hearing ended about the same time again. It was just thrown out because they had a very weak case. Because once they send over the articles of impeachment to the Senate, what immediately takes place is that we as senators become the jurors. So now we are just setting, listening, and the House has to present their case. So they basically become um, uh, the prosecuting attorney. And then the, the president will have to have his defense team together. And they and then we, all hundred of us, are the jurors, and it's, it's two-thirds to convict. 
So it takes 67 of us to convict him. If they send over strong, clear uh, 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 evidence, it's going to be very hard for some of these senators not to vote on it. It'll be very, very hard because remind, remember, this whole thing will be televised. And, uh, and the information that I have seen that the House already has, it's, it's, um, it's definitely, if he would have been vice president, we would have got this information. We could have probably removed him from office. And yeah, I think that, so yeah. now it's just a matter of, like I said, what he did as vice president, unless it follows him to the White House, uh, I, I don't know if that's actually impeachable. Well, and it seems like there are multiple potential constitutional crises on the horizon because this could be happening certainly before the general election in 2024. Donald Trump could potentially be convicted and uh, sentenced to prison before the election in 2024. And so it's kind of hard to really spitball about that now because these things still have to play out. They have they're they're both going to get their days in court yeah, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's fun to play the what ifs. I just appreciate you explaining that process in such detail because most people don't even know we have a House and a Senate and that they're different, much less knowing the processes that happen from one to the other. Hey, but speak- I, I have teachers all the time that tell me they're going to come to the capital, Oklahoma City, and come see me. <laughs> yeah. It literally happened this weekend. Someone announced they're running for state Senate. And uh, and I got a I got a, a email from a teacher saying, is this person running against you? Yeah. Um, hey. Literally yesterday, a good, we'll call him a good friend of mine. They literally mentioned, Hey, I know somebody that's running for the U S Senate in Oklahoma. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure one guy just got elected. And I think the other guy's pretty well entrenched. Like who's running for U S Senate. Are they, are they trying to primary James Lankford? And what it ended up being is this person is running for city council of the city that they live in. And I was like, guys, guys, you've got, you've got to pay attention to the thread. Okay. Yeah. Like I can help you through this, but not if you keep acting dumb, but uh, speaking of Trump and speaking of some of the things, obviously he's on the campaign trail. We don't necessarily need to talk about that aspect, but there was something that came up on an interview that he did with meet the press over the weekend where he was pressed on the interview about his ideas on a federal abortion ban. So the actual quote was this Trump said this to sanctus is willing to sign a five-week or six-week ban. And the interviewer said, would you support that? Do you think that goes too far? And Trump said something that that I believe is egregious. He said, I think what he did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. So Trump people, like kind of his spin team has come out and said, no, 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 he's saying that that's, that's not good for the national electorate. Like what's working in Florida can't work across the country. It's different. But again, he said it's a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. Now, you were one of his first most prominent people to come out and endorse him before anyone else had even gotten into the race, maybe just him and Nikki Haley. So when you hear him say something like that on the campaign trail, uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what do you think he meant and how do you think the public should respond? I, I, don't, I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, so it's the first I've heard about it. So it's obviously not a big deal up here. Uh, I... I uh, I have a hard time actually understanding what he was meaning, but maybe he was talking specifically about the states. This belongs in the state's hands. Uh, There's a whole lot of maybe he he didn't think it was maybe he he doesn't think there should be a a time length on the ban, that it should be banned completely. I I don't know. There's a whole lot of outcomes of that. Uh, So I would just say that he would have to clarify that himself. But if I were to guess, I would probably say he, he would lean towards the fact that this belongs in the states right now. 
Okay, so let, let's put Donald Trump aside for a second. So just for you individually, so obviously in the state of Oklahoma, we have some of the most conservative pro-life laws that are on the books in any state in the union. So, but from a, a federal point of view, obviously being a federal United States representative of the state of Oklahoma, is there any pro-life legislation that you wouldn't support or wouldn't get behind? Is there is there any conceivable thing on the federal level? I guess just tell me on the federal level what you have a stomach for. Well, I, listen, my fight is to save every baby I can. Uh, hmm. You know, I, I tell people, everybody, every child has a right uh, to be loved by somebody. And, uh, you know, my family history, we have, you know, three biological kids and, and, uh, and three adopted kids. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I truly love those kids all the same. There is no difference between any of them. The, and, and I honestly, I thank God that the, that the biological mothers gave me an opportunity to love these kids. They could have easily aborted them, but they, they chose to take the harder path probably and and had the child and then and then Christy and I get this opportunity. So I'll be fighting for life always. I mean, I, babies and, and thank God we live in Oklahoma and that we're saving uh, babies every single day in Oklahoma. Amen. Um, I, I, but a baby in California and a baby in Massachusetts is just as important to me too. And Amen. I want to fight for them the same. Okay, very good. Well, I know you got a busy schedule today because you're wearing your fancy suit. Now I got one more question. Okay. Sure. How exactly is it possible that the United States military lost an F-35? Now, before you answer that, obviously people saw pilot had to eject. It was on autopilot. So what in the hell was he doing before he ejected to where he had to, you know, go all go crazy and end up in some trees somewhere. But this plane, right, over the lifetime of this plane, it costs the American taxpayer one point two trillion dollars and for a couple of days the united states military is asking the public hey have y'all seen a fighter jet laying around anywhere has it landed in your shed has it hit your cattle like how exactly does this happen we're asking that question uh to well actually uh, i'm on senate armed services right that's why i asked um and we are uh, about to go into a briefing on this that'll be that'll be a briefing i'll have um i'll have to, to this evening It'll be classified uh, because that's been uh, a huge topic of us when we have our allies that are wanting to buy the F-35. Uh, it's the recovery of the F-35 is, is the biggest sticking point because of the sensitive technology that we have the most. It is absolutely the most advanced fighter out there and uh, the technology cannot fall in the hands of our adversaries. Um, we, the, the thing that prevents us from selling it to some of our, our true allies is the fact that they don't have the ability to recover it when it goes down or destroy it. Right. I mean, just sure. because it crashes doesn't mean it's destroyed completely. Just either recover or destroy, meaning that we got to get guys down there ASAP and blow the thing up or get it out. And the fact that we lost one, we lost it is unexcusable. So we, we will have that. I don't know if I ever get a share with you what happened, but uh, we have we've already started the oversight of it. Well, don't worry. I'll cut this part out, but you can just text me. You know, I know it's classified. It's just kind of like, you know, the, but that's just details. Like, I'm, obviously, I'm that's sure, just paper. 
Yeah, I'm sure my phone isn't hacked. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Like, it's just paper anyway. Like, no one's going to know. Just let me know what happened. If I accidentally talk about it on the show, it's not your fault. How did I get this information? No one knows. But, hey, I know you got a busy day ahead of you. I appreciate you coming back on. We'll talk to you again here soon. All right. See you, brother. Take care. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also, we want to thank the band Holy Name for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song, Perpetua, which is off their self-titled debut album on Face Down Records. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>